Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 87 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers. Uh, rare Thursday edition of Breaking Bats, but that is because we taped a fantastic interview, which you will hear in just a moment, with former MLB Network host, current host of Foul Territory, which is, I think I even said this, it's the coolest thing to happen to baseball in such a long time. Scott Braun is joining us for an entire hour. It was such a great time. Before we get to Scott, though, we had two new apparel sponsors to shout out. Uh, Few Will Hunt is, is one of my favorite brands out there. It's a great American company. They're based out of Philadelphia. They're out to restore the dignity of hard work. It's they, Their workout shirts are my favorite shirts I own. They're most comfortable. I love them. So check them out at fewwillhunt.com. Also, Shoreboy Clothing Company. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing, I, I just happen to be wearing their, their hoodie they sent me now. Uh Look, fall is here, but Shore Boy, they capture the essence of summer at the Jersey Shore in their apparel. What's not to like about that? Let's keep the good vibes, the positivity, and the Jersey Shore summer lifestyle going year-round. Let's check them out at shoreboy.co. With that all being said, here's this week's interview with Scott Braun. Enjoy. We are now joined by a very special guest, Scott Braun. He is the longtime host of MLB Network. He now hosts the Foul Territory Show, which is fantastic. I watch it every day. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for being on here. We were just catching up before this, but it's great to see you. Uh, and, and how are things down there in Florida? Thank you, Justin. Hello, Kate. Appreciate the, uh, the hangout here. Everything's great in Florida. Going well. I mean, I was just up north for some shows, and it was nonstop rain. Although it's raining here now, so now all my co-hosts are just making fun of me that I'm bringing bad weather everywhere. But um, living the life, yeah. Just enjoying the balance of doing our shows both in the home studios and then doing a lot more travel in year one of the launch of Foul Territory too, and just talking baseball with my friends. See, I'm going to have to stop myself. Can I, can I curse on this show? Some, some yeah. shows I can, yeah. some, some I can't. So I'm like, yeah, just shooting the shit with my friends and everyone else played the game. I'm just like the uh, point guard traffic cop media <laughs> representation. So I'm loving it. It's been really fun and it has exceeded expectations and it's something I want to be, yeah, it's not part of something I'm proud of, but also just part, part of something that I would actually consume myself which I think was important for me in my next step when I left to join these guys. No doubt. Especially like the allure of like building something from the ground up too. I mean, that's, we're going to talk all about foul territory because it's such a great thing for the game of baseball, the way you guys are doing it. Um, I want to go back though, because I watched you for so many years on the network, MLB network. And I always saw you as like this great, like Jack of all trades. I mean, they had you doing like MLB tonight, hosting shows, digital content, calling games, like, how much pride did you take in your ability to just have, wear so many hats and do so many different things? Can you call them back so I can get a raise out of it? Like, <laughs> retroactively to get paid per word? I always said that. So, yeah, I did. I took a lot of pride in just being able to do everything that was asked at a place where they had a lot of different asks. And that was multi-sport asks, too. So don't ask me about hockey now. 
So I'm just deep, deep in baseball and working just as much behind the scenes as I am um, in front of the camera, phone, whatever you want to call it, because I really love that. And that was something that I wanted to do more of in my next phase. But yeah, back in my MLB days, a whole seven months ago, when I left from calling games to being part of anything social and, and digital that we could do. Uh, and that included on the play-by-play -play side, raising my hand when Facebook calls, and then that eventually turned into games for YouTube. I think it was less sexy when it first started. It was like, well, why would you want to do that versus call a game on linear television? And I was like, I would actually rather do that. And the numbers were better because those games were always exclusive. Our games, for the most part, were not exclusive. I think they would get two playoff games a year, but everything else was not exclusive. So I'm like, this is where the audience is at. And also, I don't even care that much about that. Obviously, you want to be able to connect with an audience. But I was like, this is the way to connect with the audience, especially if you look back at what we were doing for YouTube for a while with our game of the week. Everything was within the experience of the app or the website, however you were consuming it. And that included comments and questions from the crowd while we were calling the game. To me, that's cool. That's how I like to be involved with the game. And it wasn't taking away from the nuts and bolts of how we called it. So I loved it. Yeah, everything we were doing. And then of course, yeah, studio shows, opinion. I think I was more opinionated off of the studio shows than I was on it. So now I can be super opinionated on those shows because you're working independently so you don't really have to answer to anyone about anything absolutely yeah i'm so glad you brought up the youtube and the facebook because i remember watching those games i thought it was the coolest thing ever five years ago or whenever that debuted like I, I can like sit there on my phone and watch baseball this is great like how have you seen the, the way the game is covered and talked about evolve over time i actually wanted to go a little quicker on baseball more authenticity, more real talk about both the topics that are going on around the sport that people care about and are passionate about. And that includes when an owner or front office executive, somebody says something dumb or does something stupid. Fans for baseball especially want to have therapy sessions, like let's air it out, right? So I think having more avenues to, for fans to be able to just speak openly about how they feel um, is really cool. And I think we need more of that. I think, of course, when I'm teaming up with players that are able to interact with those fans, that's what really stands out to me. So a fan can ask questions about inside word on what's going on in a clubhouse, inside word on what's going on in the sport newswise, as Ken Rosenthal works with us on foul territory and fair territory, his own show, and access in terms of what kind of conversations are going on when problems arise, how would that be handled? So I just want to see more of that and same thing, even for watching games, like I'm watching games every night after our shows while I'm working. And I do feel like we need more in terms of the alternate broadcasts. I know it hasn't really caught on much in baseball, but I hope it does soon because I feel like there would be other cool combos that I would love to hear. The traditional game calling has been the same for decades and decades, and that's cool. And that's great for most people. But for me, and I think this stands out when maybe it's not your own team, like you use the easy example of the Manning cast. If there's a Jets-Dolphins game, Jets and Dolphins fans, um, going off a little bit of numbers and a little bit of guesstimating, they might want to hear the traditional game. But if you're like a Seahawks fan and you're just watching that game for the night, you might want to listen to the Manning bros. So I think the same thing on the baseball side. Can we create more of that? I don't think there have been any good options on that front yet. 
Yeah, I think the only one that like stands out to me is John Boy, that they do that sometimes on Yes. They'll have them like alternate. And I feel like that kind of gives fans because they're so fan driven and they like take questions off Twitter and they say like, what do you guys think we should ask Aaron Boone today? But I think you're right. That is pretty much the only alternate like play by play and color calling games that we've seen recently. Yeah, that and that's like your fan perspective and they do a great job. So that's why for me, I'm like, can I get more of that? totally uncensored player manager front office if there's former front office people that'll actually speak their mind there are some i love jim bowden some guys like that duquette but getting those kind of conversations while a game is going on would be pretty cool too so i think we'll take steps in that direction i think in general and this is part of why i was so excited to be a part of foul territory is that i feel as if football, another planet, but basketball, even really past baseball in terms of cultural relevance, in terms of being cool, giving people what they want, fan interaction, and stars, of course, shining with the relationship that the league and the players have, say, with the NBA, but then also shining and saying, hey, I'm going to put in the time to do my own show, to interact with an audience, right, to start a media company, just felt like on the baseball front, we don't have a lot of that. So that's what we're trying to do. And it's not just surfaced around one personality either. We have already 10 plus people on our roster and we have on average two current player guests and, and a writer or insider on the show every single day. So I just feel like the more people that we're getting involved that we're showing off from a baseball personality perspective will I think make our sport cooler because it is super cool. And there's tons of drama every day. People need to just be able to air it out and also drop the occasional F bomb. Yeah, no, I now, Justin, you said you had something. No, I was say you can go ahead. Oh yeah. So just kind of going off that, I'm very curious about your perspective. I know you touched on the digital aspect as well. Traditionally, I know for me, when I graduated college, they said, you know, you have to go to Indiana, small market, go get your reps covering high school sports. Do you foresee in the future that a lot of kids coming out of school that want to aspire to go into broadcasting should turn more to the digital standpoint, social media to almost skip the line in a sense and get more reps that way? Or do you think that, no, there's like a lot of valuable opportunities in going to the small market route? I can't speak too much to local because I didn't go that route unless you want to count high school. So if we go way back on my own story and i'm in my mid-30s now so it's been a minute so if you go back like whatever almost 20 years at this point in high school i i finagled my way through some internships i also feel like you know back then or whatever in the early 2000s like i probably got away with a few things that you couldn't anymore like essentially not lying but not saying what your age is and then going to intern somewhere i feel like the checks are a little uh more thorough nowadays so (laughs) One of the uh, opportunities I did in high school was shadow um, a local news station in the New Jersey area and then figured out some ways to actually make myself an asset, almost like an intern asset, and then actually did some reporting where they would just send me out with uh, a photog and we would do interviews and cover games. And as long as my face wasn't on, uh, the executives there clearly weren't paying attention until they were at one point, you know, you keep leaving the place at two in the morning on your high school schedule of school basketball and then go work at a local news place. So that was the, you know, experience in local news. But for me, so the reason I bring this up is I have been a big proponent of this from the jump. So when I was 
in high school and even before that, as soon as there were digital video options on a computer, I was all over it. Right. Uh, and part of it actually was just my parents not letting me have a television in my room growing up. So I'm like, okay, can I have a computer to write essays or something like that? Yes. Okay, great. So CBS Sports, Yahoo Sports, some of those websites that were doing early video content, I was all over it. I consumed all of it. And aside from, right, you're all sports ESPN. I just wasn't ever watching local news. Two minutes of the end of a newscast wasn't enough for me. I realized that at a pretty young age and you found other options when now there's insane amount of options. So I gripped that early and I used that, I would say, passion for consuming on digital through college. One of my first work opportunities, which I caught on at the end of school or what, maybe a year or so left to go at college in Miami was working in the Fort Lauderdale area for cbssportsdigital.com turned into working with them on the TV side. Same kind of thing popped up ESPN.com turned into the TV side. So I took that route very early on and then even was converting some of what I was doing into the digital and social route. So, and this is how you can tell that I'm, I'm more obsessed with the behind the scenes than I am. I would say even with what I'm doing, you know, on a show and talking on a mic. So, at the Chatamay's um, facility in uh, in Cape Cod, I called games in the Cape Cod Cod League for a couple of years. And after my first year, we were doing kind of like it was like internet slash phone radio calling the games. And I was like, "Well, let's put everything on YouTube," which was pretty new at the right. time because I think this was like twenty was this two thousand eight or something like that. Um, YouTube, I think, was early two thousand. So let's put everything on YouTube. Let's put everything on Twitter. Our pregame show. Um, the game, post-game show, all of that. So, And then we created what was called the Chatamaze Media Team. So I was pretty aggressively looking to do those things a while ago. So long story short or short story long, I would definitely advise that. I try to make myself as available as possible because I travel so much to do a phone call and connect with aspiring media personalities or whatever you want to call it. Not even just personalities, people that want to be in sports or media. And I give them these ideas all the time. And I feel like even for me talking to some people that are half my age now and, and trying to act like I'm a dinosaur, I'll bring some, some things up, some sites um, that where I'm reading or consuming content and be like, Oh yeah. And I'll be like, well, who's doing content for them? They'll be like, I don't know. I'll be like, well, have you looked into it? No. I'm like, well, you should, that's another Avenue to go down. I think one of the new ones that pops up for me over the last like three or four years is, Hey, are you into betting content? Yeah, a little bit. Well, learn some of it. And also keep in mind that a lot of the sports books now are bringing in content that goes beyond just hard bets on the game, right? It's just talking about the sport because also the conversation keeps getting mixed together, right? Like something happens, it's a bad beat, but it's also like, I'll give you a perfect example from freshly from our show. Say a Suzuki drops a ball in right center field could cost the Cubs their season. Eric Kratz, eloquently stated how it was a bad beat for me because we have a uh, a weekly promo we do in the BetMGM Sportsbook app and um, they boosted our odds for a uh, parlay that we did and we it was a part of a Cubs money line so we had a bad beat but he was like the Cubs really had a bad beat so you know you just hear those conversations all mixed in now and I, I do love me some betting content. So there's just a lot to explore now. There's so many more opportunities um, for young people that want to get involved. And yeah, you don't have to just go to 
bumblefuck to figure out your way through a two minute sportscast to get to where your ultimate goal is. Yeah. I think that's so interesting that you were so, so ahead of the curve. Like I'm very impressed by that, that you were like consuming that at such a young age too. Did you always know that's what you want to go into? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Age 10. Yeah. When I was little, I was like super, what am I doing? Not like intense, crazy, just more of, Hey, if I'm sitting around, there's any dead time. I like to um, be doing something that's like looking ahead to a goal. I'm not like that anymore. I got too goal oriented. That'll drive you nuts. But at the time (laughs) it was fine. I didn't know any better. So for me, yeah, age five to 10, you want to be in the NBA. You think you're the shit at basketball. And then age 10, people are dunking on you and you're like, cool, I'll stop at high school. And I just gripped to broadcasting, studying it, speaking to broadcasters, cold calls, emails once that became available and just got my hands on anything that I could do. There were a couple programs in my area that I latched onto like a week, you know, kind of mini camp. And, and that's how I kind of got into it. But I was, yeah, I was super aggressive, not like the annoying, I'm going to keep calling someone or whatever, just more of, Hey, anyone need help kind of situation? Just happy to be there pulling some cable or whatever. And then, Hey, you want to help us with this? You want to do talent stats? You want to be in the booth? Hey, this, this kid's good at, helping me spot. I'm doing play-by-play for the radio. So it was that just organically getting in there. No family in the game or anything. Um, just, uh, just being available. That's awesome. Justin, go ahead. Okay. I, I'm so fascinated by this because I remember when I remember reading the press release that this day back, I don't know, seven months ago, foul territory show is being created. Scott Braun rotating panel of hosts. Can you tell me the, the, the story of how foul territory came together and how you're able to assemble this rotating panel of excellent former players yeah and also while i'm doing this i'm just realizing that as usual i'm abusing technology so i'm going to um keep the charge going so i don't lose you all we actually who was it so we had because we have multiple shows right foul territory is your daily two-hour show gets split up content wise into you know pod and everything else but for live streaming purposes and then we have fair territory with ken rosenthal Okay, I'm good. And then Legends Territory, which is, is one of my instant favorites with the former players because they don't give a shit what they say anymore most of the time, which is awesome because you're like, what really happened when this went down, right? When Jose Bautista got punched, like Russell Martin coming up soon, Jonathan Papelbon on his little scuffle with Harper, are they still friends? Like the real story. It's almost like getting a 30 for 30, but quicker, right? In like a few minute mm-hmm. answers yeah. um, for our generation. Um, But as far as the start of this, this is, in my mind, years of research, boots on the ground, at ballparks, in clubhouses, talking to players all the time, and hearing the same thing over and over. Uh, Our sport's super cool. There's a ton of drama. It's every day. You're hearing stories. You're hearing about what players are doing and how they're consuming everything. And also fans, right? Like everyone's just buried in their phones and I'm just working mostly in a TV business. As we went over, I would raise my hand for all the digital and social opportunities that were there. Huge podcast fan have been for a while. Um, actually did a pod in like 2009. I had, I was on another show recently and I actually like went through the archives for like the Huffington post. It was only available on computer crazy. Um, but anyway, so with all of that, finally just said, fuck it and started bringing a team together both in front and behind right behind is hey good producer editors 
and guest bookers and social media team and everything else. Like if, if we're going to do this and I'm going to leave uh, a dream job that many would say, then like, let's really do it. Not just, you know, be in our basement and, and be on a zoom call or something. I'm like, I want to make it like a full fledged network. I want the respective players. I want to be able to um, be a megaphone for players that come on a show. Um, a la, you know, McAfee with Rogers is an easy yeah. example, but also there are a ton of awesome media companies out there right now that are mostly um, driven by athletes on shows. So I am athlete, which was Brandon Marshall's group and um, new heights with the Kelsey brothers, which obviously are, are really having their moment right now, but there there's dozens that have done a phenomenal job and there's really not much to look at on the baseball side. So I was like, let's do this. And then you start getting the right people together. Who are those types of personalities that I've either worked with or I'm friends with, or even some that I auditioned at MLB and was like, Ooh, that's really raw. <laughs> like that is, that is a hot, authentic take that would probably get them in trouble in some circles. That's the guy that I want. The guy who's just going to tell it like it is. That's what people want now. So yeah. that's the team that we assembled and we'll continue to assemble. We're adding on constantly and we've already added on a lot during our first season. This is a super new operation, but it's been great. The reception from fans has been really cool. And yeah, as you can see, I mean, I'm in Florida. I'm with AJ Pruszynski very often. Anyone that's um, listen to him in his broadcast life or remembers him as a player says, yeah, that guy's not going to give a shit what he says. That's who I um, <laughs> would want to listen to for uh, a real conversation and asking questions to other players. That's the thing that I think we miss too, is like the player to player conversation. When I was at MLB, it was the same thing. Sometimes you would just get such great answers and I'm like, what about unhinged answers now? So I think once we start doing that, you have someone like Eric Kratz who's selfless as hell, backup catcher, embraces that role Robin to Batman for a Pierzynski or a Todd Frazier or an Adam Jones, Brock Holt, Jason Kipnis, Lorenzo Cain, Ken Rosenthal when he's on, right? You just start adding up your dream team in my mind of really what I would want to listen to and the people that I would call about hearing um, takes on the game. And that's how it came together. I mean, people have to give a lot of time too, but here's how we can combat that. Can we create an environment at their homes or their second homes or their man caves or whatever they want to call it. Right. And build them mini studios. And do people care? Like, do they have to be in a proper buttoned up old school studio? No, of course not anymore. Not when they're doing a talk show, if they're calling a game, that's different, but we're not calling games. So I think that's the model that we set out to create and we all huddled up on it. And it just was a domino effect. The domino effect included those conversations with players over the years, converting to, Hey, I know you always talk about how you actually want to have more of a platform to open up. Will you come on a show if I create that? Like if I jump across the river to a side like this, will you actually come on? And those answers were a resounding yes. And they have lived up to their word too, with players coming on and being themselves because I mean, we've had over 200 player guest appearances so far this season. So all of that's happening and I think it's created quite a few viral moments in the sport that have popped up, which I'm all about because none of those moments are like incriminating moments. They're just cool. And they're the conversations that are going on. So the more attention to our sport, the better. I think Kate actually had a question about that. Kate, go ahead. Yes. I mean, I'm just very impressed with how comfortable you get the guests on the podcast. And I think one of the most recent ones with Rowdy Telez talking about Josh Donaldson 
in the clubhouse. How do you kind of really make sure that the guests are okay with like just speaking basically unhinged about whatever they want? Because I have to say, I was very shocked that he said that, but I, I loved it. Like, I mean, I feel like exactly what you said. It's exactly what the media wants. And I, nobody really would have heard about that conversation. Like no reporter is going to ask him that question. So I'm curious how you guys like really come up with that. And that's happening almost daily, those types of conversations and and that tidbit that pops up. Now, Rowdy Telez is one of the most unique characters in the game, and he's a perfect case study for our sport. This year up and down, he had an injury for a while, which was actually gruesome getting his his fingers stuck in the outfield. And like, basically, it looked like it was off. We we posted it. He told us to. Um, But last year, he's basically a 30-100 guy on a pretty good team for years in the Milwaukee Brewers. He is... Top five, in my mind, in terms of comedy, trash talk, funny, whatever, doesn't have social media. And he's in baseball in the middle of the country. And most people have no idea who he is. And I'm like, that is a travesty. And he wants to do stuff like he's clearly not shy, as you can tell. I actually one time did a show with him where it wasn't just a a five minute guest appearance. But in my MLB days, he actually came in the studio and came on and I was like, so not really getting the rowdy that we want. This is the platform for him. Also, you have to keep in mind rowdy is different. Like a lot of what he's saying is is um, sarcasm and some bullshit mixed in. And he loves to talk trash with our player hosts and then kind of take us inside what's going on with others. And that's what he did with Donaldson. Like, you know, he said, hey, and said some choice words. But this is all in good fun. This isn't like, hey, dude, this is my clubhouse, right? This is like... <laughs> Hey, dude, I don't care who you are. What's up? Like, say what's up to everyone. And, and Josh is like, they know who I am. Like, that's the good shit. That's what you want to yeah. hear. Like, how is it when a former MVP comes in and, and he, you know, basically got cut by the Yanks and all of that? I think some people probably took off with it and were like, see, Donaldson's a jerk. That's not what it is. As you saw yeah. 24 hours later, those two are like hugging and dancing as they're celebrating um, a division uh, clinching um, party. Right. So. I think those conversations are really cool and we're getting a lot of that. Like one other that stands out that, that gets brought up a lot this season is, and it happened. We didn't know the story. It just happened organically. Pete Alonzo comes on and tells us about the poop Homer where uh, he mistimed his pregame coffee. And I got a kick out of it because I did so much stat and analytic oriented content. And I I still, you know, will bring that to the table. It's not like we're get off my lawn crew. Like there's plenty of new age shit going on. And um, like Kratz is super into numbers and and very good and on point there. So um, at the same time, like sometimes you're like, oh, you know, Alonzo sitting first pitch slider because Hunter Green will throw that X percent of the time and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, nope, actually just. I had to go to the bathroom. So I just thought that shit was great too, pun intended. And you're getting a lot of that now. So um, how do we get that out of them? I just think that the platform is kind of lending itself to that. A lot right. of players are telling us that they're that they're listening, right? They're, they're buried in their phones or they're listening on the pod or they're watching TikToks or Instagram reels. And so they know what the content is like. And I think there's still a trust factor though at the same time, because I think, a lot of people that are putting out shows, especially athlete to athlete type of conversation shows are giving you this edginess, but then there's like one sliver, one line where they're like not going past where it's like, there's not politics. There's not really dating life. Like I just personally don't give a shit about that stuff. I just want more juice from the game. 
and and lifestyle around the game. So I feel like that's the line that just from polling and talking to players like they didn't want to go to. And and again, like we don't have rules. So if a player goes down some avenue that they want to go down and, and they want to be able to voice their opinion besides politics, fuck that. We're not talking about that. There's enough political shows. But like anything else, um, they know that they can do that. So but they also know that they're talking to like their their friends that are were part of this super exclusive club of making it to the big leagues and they can open up that way. So that's how I, I think you're getting more of this um, coming out. And I think it's also liberating for them because most guys that are coming on the show are like, oh, I can speak differently. I'm usually like so tense or in autopilot post game. Hey, how did it feel in the eighth inning when you got that hit? Oh, it's great. You know, we're just taking it one game at a time and doing our thing. That was the other thing is, and a post-game interview on the field is different, but just a lot of conversations with current players over the years saying that in most of their interviews, they're in complete bullshit autopilot where they just say this over and over. And I go, understand what you're saying, but that is really bad for the game because we got to get away from that. It can't all just be the cookie cutter garbage. So boring when you hear an on-field interview and they say nothing. Just you just wasted everyone's time. Give me something. And some do and and have that naturally, but I feel like this is another place for them to be able to be like, "All right, day after my no-hitter, I got 15-20 minutes with these guys. Let's lay it all out." We're not abusing time either. That's important. There's games every every day. This isn't when you say podcast, some guys also get scared away not from like what's going to be asked, but is this going to take an hour? Like, right. no, we're not doing that. We're, we're aware of, of the time. It's more like digital TV. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Yeah, totally. I mean, to your point, I always think, like, I remember last year watching Aaron Judge chase 62 and every single post-game press release, like, I'm just really happy that the team got the win. I'm like, no, tell me how how happy you are that you just broke the AL home run record. So I'm curious, is there a certain player that you haven't had on the show yet that you do you have your eyes set on that you really want to get on foul territory? I mean, easy answer is just like a few more of the faces of the sport, right? So like, because this is where things get really interesting is a lot of people want to hear a different side of Mike Trout. I think people are trying right. to get that, of course, with Mookie Betts and he's doing his own thing with the show too, but we had him on and it just sounds different from the other times that I've spoken to them in my yeah. life. Covered those guys for many years. Mike Trout talking about his pitch to keep Shohei Otani. This was a few months back when they were in a better spot. Mookie yeah. Betts talking to us about how he actually really wanted to stay in Boston. Wasn't super into switching coasts and all that. Didn't know much about it. And like, but giving you the the real talk on it. And then our players like joking around, like, yeah, and then they, you know, threw you four hundred million or whatever they said. He's like, hell yeah, I would have stayed. You know, just that kind of shit. Yeah. So I would say, Judge, absolutely. And I think there's a comfort level, too, when players sign long-term contracts. Sometimes you'll see that a player who's early on in his career is just a little more timid. And that could be for a number of fronts, right? You know, I don't feel totally comfortable 
in and we see less of this in terms of their expression on the field but in terms of their words i don't feel total totally comfortable just like kind of laying it all out i'm only a year or two into the bigs or some some are worried about their comments being misconstrued or dissected and that leading to being judged on a contract or a free agency whatever right if a guy signs a long-term deal he's like screw it but not that that's you know the case with everybody but you could get some of that so the point is like judge is in pretty good shape so um he could he could kind of lay it all out, and I know that he's definitely got a personality. These these are not almost all of these guys. This, this is not like you're talking to a board, even if it's someone that's like quote not the brightest bulb. And I'll use like Eric Kratz's line here because he was we brought on like Jordan Montgomery the other day, and he's like, dude, what? He's like, how did how are you like married to a doctor? Like, what do you guys talk about? <laughs> you know, just like shit like that. I can't say that to him. You know. <laughs> I think some of those combos are great too. But anyway, to answer your question, I would say, yeah, Judge is up there. Otani, I mean, super hard to get access there. But maybe after yeah. he signed. I mean, hey, dare to dream. But but we, we've had many many of the big boys, you know, Votto and Wainwright, and, you know, or just voices and personalities that have been around the sport for a while and get some pretty unique stories when it's some of the guys that have been around. So, but yeah, I would, I would put like, sure, Judge and Otani up there for two of them just guys that are not as accessible or you don't usually can you don't usually talk them into doing it you know a a podcast but i think most of it just has to do with the trust factor like yeah are are they going to put me in some weird ass spot so i think eventually we'll get to everyone to some extent because we got some awards content coming up too so uh i'll tease we haven't announced it yet so that that should involve some award winners there, which will get us some access to some of those guys. Also, one more thing. No, I, um, some teams are freaking awesome with like helping that communication process during the season. Off season, you just do it on your own. During the season, like there's schedules and we want to be um, appropriate with all of that. But right. some teams are superstars with how they communicate with us, their PR and, and all of that. And then some suck. So <laughs> makes sense. So, um, we just have to wait till the off season or just talk to the player when he's, you know, not being controlled by his team scheduling and they won't tell him when someone wants to interview him. <laughs> Justin, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Mookie Betts and it's so cool what he's doing in season, like being a host of a podcast, having his friends and teammates and guys around the league on. Um, there's not a lot of guys that can do that. I feel like, I mean, he, I feel like he's a rare instance, but do you think that player driven in season podcast is the next kind of like wave of sports media for baseball? Baseball's tough because of the nature yeah. of the schedule. I would say a little more of a wave, but I don't think it's going to be suddenly a tidal wave of players doing that. And we've seen it, right? We've seen Ross Stripling comes on our show frequently. He had a pot of his own at one point. I think Ian Happ's still running with with what he's got. He's been on the show. So it's just tough based on the scheduling. And especially if they're getting guests on, that they have to line up their own schedule, another player's schedule. It gets complicated. So, yes, I think there would be more of that because I think some guys will like it. And also, can you put them in a great position to succeed? You really have to be flexible with their schedule. You have to do a lot for them to just allow them to communicate with, you know, one person or one group of people. And then that team is putting a lot together for them, help them get the clips together, help them get the guests, even though obviously some of them can 
can, can send out texts. I'm sure Mookie's doing that with some of these guys, but still then, okay, Mookie doesn't have to send them a link or, hey, let's like coordinate your schedule and where you need to go. And I'm sure all that's being done behind the scenes, but that I think that has to be done like even more so with baseball during the season than it would with another sport because there's just more downtime. I know they're busy at the other sports during their season, but they're still off days. And game day is just different from an off day, regardless of sport. Baseball just eats up a lot of time for that you know, six, seven month span or whatever. So yes, I think there'll be more, but I don't, I think it'll be a slow burn to get to the point that we want versus other sports, just pumping out one, two, three shows a week from players in season. I don't think we're going to be there for a while. It's, it's crazy. Cause like, I feel like this all kind of started with like Draymond Green, like he would t- do a podcast 20 minutes after he got off the court. And it's like, that's the stuff that I like where it's like, mm-hmm. I, I want to know exactly what you're feeling in a longer form than the two minute post game of like to break, break the game down, to, you know, shoot the shit with your friends. Like, I, I really hope that's a thing. I know some guys kind of do like recurring hits on shows and like you get them semi-frequently, but I didn't know this, but like baseball players on game days, they just have like up until 2, 3 p.m. to just do whatever they want. So I thought that was kind of interesting, learning mm-hmm. that from the pod perspective of like, yeah, I can do I can do pretty much any time morning, early afternoon. Yeah, and the, it's no accident that our show is right now from 1 to 3 o'clock Eastern time. Because also keeping in mind that we're working with both, co- both coasts. So we're able to catch the East Coast crowd right before they need to hit the team bus or right when they get to the ballpark before they get into the rest of their – daily routine before the game and then the west coast crowd that's either just waking up or in the middle of their portion of their day that they have to themselves so yeah that's how we schedule things because most of what we're doing is live and i think that also creates um a better atmosphere for most players i think they like that component that they can like be watching a show and then know that they're about to jump right into it and actually a lot of great answers and topics are picked up by doing that because we're always coming off of either another conversation with someone else or another topic. And I say this often, especially for players who are coming on for the first time, that I like to just spill the topic right on to the conversation that we're about to have, knowing that, hey, we have 15 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever. We can spend two minutes on what we were just covering, which is usually just a relevant topic in the game. And sometimes getting a really cool answer out of a player and almost allowing them to be um, an opinion, right? To be a voice about a topic that doesn't necessarily have to do with them. But most of these dudes are paying attention to what's going on. Um, A good example would have been like George Kirby gets a baseball thrown at him during his start. That's fucked. And hearing what another player thinks about that. And that happens like multiple times a week. Like I know when it remember when Acuna got blitzed by some fans in Colorado yeah. and security botched all of that. Like there were multiple days that week where, you know, we had players on and that would come up in the conversation, you know, and some guys were like, I would freaking floor those dudes or, you know, you, know, you just get good answers from people. So there's a lot of that that has come up, you know, when, the A's were going through their whole thing, moving to Vegas, right? I know it's not official yet and back and forth, but just whatever is like topical in the game, I think it's really cool to hear players' opinions on that. Because also think about this, what are we not getting? So we went over the authenticity part. How about media access to players a little bit before and it's mostly after games? 
So after a game, are you suddenly going to go up to a player and talk to him about another rando topic in the game? It just doesn't feel like the right time, right? Like I've been in those clubhouses a million times. Like they're looking to get out of there. They're down to talk, but it's usually like you get a little something on the game and you're not going to suddenly go up to them and, and ask them about some other random thing. Maybe a writer, if they're doing a story, but this to me is the spot where you can actually spend some time and get some really good answers out of it. Like I'll try and think of one other example. Like, Oh, another gem of an interview. Lance Lynn is, is so freaking good and, and so real. And what's a recent one. Okay. Steven Strasburg's whole drama with the Nats inviting him and then uninviting him and wanting some money back and all the back and forth BS that went on. I want to hear Lance Lynn's opinion. Like, what do you think, dude? My, my question, because we went over a few parts of that, a few layers of that, and he was like, I'm not surprised that the Nats did that because they've had areas of cheapness and almost like weird cheapness. Like, it's a guaranteed contract. Like, you can debate that part, but, like, he's not giving you money back. Super weird. But with Lance, I was like, all right, let's say eventually they, the, your Strauss and ownership calls you up in the offseason and says, sorry, dude, we fucked up. Like, I don't know what got into us or – blame one of the family members in the ownership group and say, let's do this right next season. Let's, let's have you come out retirement ceremony, address the crowd, whatever, we'll fly all the friends and fam out, all of that. Right. I was like, you down. And he was like, you know me, like, uh, <laughs> basically like you're dead to me. Like I'm not coming out. <laughs> you blew your shot. So I just want to hear that stuff. Like some people probably would say, you know what? Life's short. I'm going to take that. And others would be like, no, screw you. Like, I had my freaking friends and family like booked on flights and I had to call them a day or two before and say, just kidding. They want me to give money back. Like, no. So I love that stuff. That's an avenue. That I never even thought about that. Yeah. Getting them, getting their opinions on stuff. Cause these guys all have takes like when they're sitting around the clubhouse, they're all spouting off these takes to begin with. So getting a glimpse of what some of those are, I feel like that's, that's incredible. This is what they're talking about. Just like even if if you're at work in some random other industry, right? And, mm -hmm. if, and and I know it's a little different now with people that work remote necessarily, but even still, the drama at work. Did you hear what happened to Brian or Susan or whatever? Like they're trying not to give them as much of a bonus, right? Like that's the same shit that's going on in baseball. Like I love that stuff. And, and yeah. you would hear it. You hear it um when you're there you hear it at the ballpark like if you're in the industry a lot of it's off the record so like let's bring a little bit of it on the record because it's fine you know it, it it's a real conversation about something that went on it's not like made up it's not like getting too personal it's just mm -hmm. news in the sport and i think it's really interesting and it's got like a reality show component almost to it like no we're stripping this back from you you can't bring your friends and family give us money back I'm like no okay <laughs> And that's and that stuff resonates as you've seen. Your Google alerts for the show must be insane. All the stuff gets picked up nationally. It's every time every time I look, it's like, oh, sick foul, ter foul territory nationally. It's it's the best. Um, I did because you mentioned the fact that you know in this role you can kind of speak your mind. You're a little bit more open on topics, like personally giving your opinions on stuff. So we had a couple like national baseball things that are going on. We'd love to get the Scott Braun unfiltered take if we could. Um, so the first one is like, and I've had this debate with my friends and Kate. It's just like. Which of the like playoff teams that we're like looking at right now are like actual legitimate? You can close your eyes, see them as World Series contenders. Um, so if you had to pick maybe like one or two from each league, like out of the out of the playoff teams, like who who's legit, Scott? National League, obviously, we're all going to say Atlanta. 
yeah. despite the some of the starting pitching injuries. Also, by the way, am I still good? My connection? Yeah. Yes. I'm good. Um, Braves are easy. This was a dominant season by them. It sucks. Yeah, that we'll see what happens. I mean, Max Fried should be back for the DS with the blister. You yeah. never know. Like if they suddenly said, "Uh oh, it's not healing quickly," like no one would be surprised. We've been around the game for a while, but I mean, their offense is insane. I think their bullpen. I actually feel like their bullpen, just based on my guess or my uh, hosts that I hang out with on the show, like they were like, "Yeah, they're a good bullpen." I was like, "Oh, that's a it's a pretty I would say pretty elite bullpen yeah. in my mind." There's some depth there. Um, and I'm a big Pierce Johnson guy and what they did with him um, for getting granular on it. But anyway, Braves are one. And if I have to pick another in the National League in terms of a threat. So in my mind, like the, the tier is you've got the Braves and then the Phillies, Dodgers and Brewers. And really, the Phillies don't have a ton of flaws either besides starting slow. So. Yeah. I think a lot of people in the industry think that if the Braves are going to fall, a team like Philly could do it to them again. The Dodgers have like a little bit of the pitching flaw. They just lost so many starters over the course of the year. So, but, but I guess my point here, Justin is like just on national league alone, like I'm naming four teams that if you told me made it to the world series, I wouldn't flinch at all with any of those four teams. Are there higher chances and can I rank them? Sure. But I think it starts to get difficult if I have to like take two out of those four, you know, if I'm doing a power ranking. So like, let's say Atlanta, I'll go Philly, I'll go LA, Milwaukee, but still I probably in higher on Milwaukee than most just because I really love the run prevention they bring. I just feel like, the offense is, is a little short still in my mind, which has been the case for a while. It's better than it's been, but a little short. American League's a beautiful mess. I'm trying to think if there's any team in the American League that made it to the World Series where I would go, oh, no way. Yeah. I don't think so. Like, I think of the National League, if you told me some of those wild card teams end up making it, like whoever comes out of the wild card, like I know Cincinnati's now kind of outside looking in, but let's say they did. I would be pretty surprised if they made it to the World Series. I'd be surprised if the Cubs made it to the World Series. I would be surprised if the Marlins made it to the World Series. On the American League side, even for the wildcard teams, as many flaws as they've had and like total roller coaster ride situation that we've gone through with a team like, say, the Astros, I mean, kick it back to you just for one second. Like, Justin, if I told you the Astros, who just had a brutal stretch against Oakland and Kansas City, but remember, they they dusted the Rangers, and they were a little shorthanded, the Rangers. They got some bats back. But if I told you the Astros in the World Series, you can't be shocked based on past results and still talent on the roster. So I have a hard time saying that with any team in the American League. Orioles, Rays. I would say I might have a tougher time with Twins. There's a lot of swing and miss on, on that offense. But point is, on, on, on the other end there, I don't think there are a lot of teams where I'd be like, oh, no way, how did they get to the World Series? I think the AL is like very crapshoot range right now. Who's hot? Yeah. No, it's North Kate's frozen there. Um, yeah, I, I'm an Orioles fan. And like for a 98-win team that is like has a number one seed in the playoffs, I'm still scared. I don't feel great going to bed every night. I'm like, I, 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 the pitching still scares me. I feel like that's like common theme for a lot of these teams. Or it's just like, 
do they have the three starters? Do they have the shutdown bullpen? And for the Orioles, I'm like, eh, kind of? I don't know. Yeah, that's why I have a harder time answering your question on the American League side. Because I'm like, I think it could be upset city on the American League side, right? Like, just go down the line and even go to the end of the wild card spectrum, okay? So, between the Blue Jays, the Astros, and the Mariners, one of those teams is not going to get in, right? Would you be surprised if any of those three teams took down your Orioles? Like, surprise. Like, no way. Would you be surprised? I wouldn't. No, absolutely. Because the Orioles have shown that, like, it doesn't, you don't have to be an ace to shut down the Orioles randomly on, like, a Tuesday night. Like, it, it, any, any given Tuesday night, I feel like you're watching the Orioles and you're like, really? They're getting no hit through six? All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been so much fun watching the end of the season wrap up. Um, I had a question, though, because, oh, if, unless Kate's back and it doesn't look like she is. Um, you, you mentioned that you've talked to Joey Votto a little bit. He got that emotional standing ovation in Cincinnati, like I guess a couple couple days ago. Um, how how like when was the last time you talked to Joey Votto? Because I feel like every time you do, it's like an out of body experience. He's like the coolest person ever. On the show, it's been several months. Off the show, we saw him what a week ago in Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, he's he is one of a kind. So yeah, we were talking to him the other day though in Cincinnati. And, and he was, you know, yelling at us while we were doing the show on the field because he was taking some early batting practice, probably soaking it in in case this is the end for him. So that was my question. Do you think it is the end? Well, it's hard to know. I mean, I think that if he wants to play another year, a team would take him. Um, Probably Cincinnati, you would think after all that time, unless he's like demanding a certain level of financial compensation that they don't want to go to. So I do know that the Reds are not going to pick up his $20 million option for 2024. And I think no one's going to dispute that, but I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, you, you look at what's going on there and to me just reading facial expressions, I'm like, maybe it's him doing that just in case he doesn't end up back with the Reds and does that like, final season where he tries to, I don't know, play for the Blue Jays because he's Canadian. You've always heard that narrative. Uh, And then there's others that are like, how dare you say that? He's a red for life, which definitely could be the case. So I don't know. It's hard to say. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, I'm going to say he calls it. I'll say he calls it, but I think it's close. I think you know, maybe 60% chance in my mind that he calls it and 40% chance that he takes a couple months off and says, man, I kind of miss it still. And let me give it one, you know, one more year. I, I think he, I think he comes back. I think one, one more run fully, fully healthy guy can still bang. It's great. Uh, Kate, you missed a little bit. Uh, okay. We're talking and I don't know what the last thing you heard was. That was, that was just a wild thing there. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor in case there was stuff that, from five minutes ago that you wanted to ask, but you were frozen. Oh, yes. Thank you. Sorry about that. My Wi-Fi cut off. But um, I did want to ask about Juan Soto. So there have been some rumors that he may go back to the East Coast. Everyone's riding on that bandwagon saying, nope, he's going to come to my team. Where do you see Soto going, if anywhere? Or do you think he's going to stay with the Padres? I could see them trading him. 
I haven't dug too much into the off-season plans. I know, you know, there's been some chatter about them cutting some payroll. And also I did see the comments from their CEO about how they're going to do some like internal review. And this is the time to do that. When you go through a losing season, all makes sense. I think they also looked at some articles, maybe I'm sure they know what's going on, but there's some, there's some good journalism that was put out there by um, what is it? The San Diego union tribune and then Rosenthal and, um, and the crew at the athletic about what's going on there behind the scenes. So I think that winning and talent can mask issues and most teams have issues. Let's be real. It's not like they're the only team going through drama behind the scenes. If you read that story and it's long, but it's worth a read on what's going on there. Um, it does sound like there'll be a shakeup. Also, so a lot of people have said, including players that we've spoken to, like we had Michael walk on today, like, Oh, you can run that back next year. And they'd be good. True. But guess what? Never going to happen. Why? Blake Snell's a free agent. Josh Hader's a free agent. Guaranteed at least one. I would say most likely both not coming back. So to answer your question about Soto, I don't know. Hard to pinpoint right now. I'm sure Mets fans are going to call for it. Yankee fans are going to call for it. I would say probably less likely that you would see Philly fans calling for it. I'm trying to think of who else on the East Coast would fit the bill of, of what the East Coast fans want. Um, not at, not Atlanta, most likely, but um, where do you think he's going? If I, he gets traded, too, I mean, easily could be asking for too much, and they say, "Screw it, let's ride it out one more time." Yeah, I think the Yankees should make try to get him because I mean they lost Harrison Bader, put him on waivers, and they haven't really addressed that corner outfield position in two years. And I think after what happened this year this is a huge opportunity for them to actually go out. People keep saying like, maybe they should go after Blake Snell, but I feel like from the pitching perspective, they have Cole, Michael King is doing well pitching. And then Carlos Rodon, as long as he's does a little bit better next year and maybe addresses some of the injuries, the pitching, they're not really going to spend big on, but I would, I'm a Yankee fan. So I would love to see him in pinstripes, but I think they do need to address that corner outfield position because especially now that Jason Dominguez is going to be out for, I think the first half of 2024. My hesitancy there, too, with the Yanks is how much it would cost to actually trade for him, being that he's not just a free agent and you can't just spend cash on him. And also his defense, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. And I think there's some front offices, especially those that are, quote, more analytical, that probably look at defensive metrics and freak out with a player like him. So I'm curious how the Yankees would evaluate that player. Sure. Would they take him for free? Would they take him? or just straight cash. But then when you factor in, you're trading probably a lot of assets for a guy that you have for what he's the free agent after next year for one more season starts to get a little dicey free agent class too, by the way, like it's okay this year. It's all, you know, Otani's in in a league of his own and, and Bellinger's a good free agent. He got some good pitching the year after, unless we get a lot of extensions. Is going to be wild too, and I know obviously Yankee fans, especially, are not going to be patient. Like that's cool, we'll sit this one oh, out. We'll wait another but, year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I could see the Yankees being in the sweepstakes. I just think on the Padres side, they gave up so much to get him. I wouldn't, yeah, be surprised if they trade him, but I could see a trade not happening because the asking price is so damn high based off what they had to give up and feeling as if they didn't get their, you know, 
the playoff baseball run that they thought they were going to get for him. And then they have to turn that asset around after a year and a half and get, you know, 33% of the return that they gave away. I think that would be tough for them to stomach if it's the same GM and, and, and crew there running it, who knows, maybe Prowler's not back. So um, yeah, it's a good question, but I I think the other part that's going to blow up the off season is, what side of the bed does Artie Moreno wake up on? Cause sometimes he might wake up cause he's just like on a whim makes rando calls for, you know, his toy that he runs, which like then ultimately it's not his fault. He'll just get rid of people around him and blame them, but he's the one calling the shots. He's a total umbrella owner. But what if he decides, all right, cool. Like let's actually try and, and unload trout this off season. Like Otani's not coming back. Things don't look good for us the next few years if this dude wants to play some winning baseball, like let's do it right now. Cause you know, he's gone through some injuries might have to pay some money down, but I think this is the off season to trade him. Like just rip the whole damn bandaid off and yep. just, and just put yourself on a different track. You know, it's tough for him. He wants to market, you know, himself around superstars. You would have like that young core coming up, which they've actually done a nice job of getting some guys pretty quickly to the bigs that have done well. But I think that could be a massive storyline. Imagine, Remember, like we started this season with Trout Otani in the WBC in that matchup, and like you might have that culminate with an off season of where's Otani signing and where's Trout getting traded. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah, I could see Trout going too. I mean, again, I feel like it's going to depend on what he wants for the remainder of his career. Does he want to stay an Angel, break a bunch of those records, or ultimately be on a postseason team? This is a good topic to for the sport. This, you know, we, we went over some of the media side of our sport and where we think we could do better, right? Like as as a group, like talking about players and media companies and all of that. I think also as a sport, it's not like you can necessarily do a ton to affect this, but you know what sucks when you have the best player in the sport playoff list, not on a national or international stage in October. We went through that with Trout for years. Now we just went through that with a half decade of Otani just using the basketball comp. They don't have that generally, right? Like LeBron's been the guy to, to use the easy name, but even like a Giannis and all these other guys, like the, the, the big, big players in the sport generally are playing in the playoffs. We don't have that in our sport. That sucks for the fans and that sucks for casual fans and roping them in if they're not paying attention to games, but then they're like, sure, I'll, I'll flip on Fox in October and see what this is all about. And it's like, we're missing out on, on the best players. That sucks. And it's not just like, oh, whatever, it was a bad year, right? Um, like we've seen some playoff judge. Imagine if it's like you never get to see him in the playoffs, like in big yeah. moments. Even if they struggle, like it's just still the storyline and, and those places can emphasize them and the conversations are are shortened to just talking about it, a certain number of teams and players. That's just been the travesty in my mind that we can't get Trout when he was the big man in the game for at, at least, how long was he the best player in the sport? I mean, without like looking at, at paper right now, like at least what, five to seven years, he was the best player in the sport, hands down. Now Otani, best player in the sport, hands down and sure some some judge people but like this is a unicorn player that we have not yet seen in october it can't happen you can't do anything you not much like you can force a team to move a dude but we we need more of that i agree justin 
This has been great. I just had a few last quick fun questions for you, Scott. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You're a busy guy. You gave us an hour, which is fantastic. Um, I had a question, though, because you worked with, you've called games with the great DJ Dan Plesak. And anytime somebody from the network comes on, I love to try to get like a favorite interaction, memory, story. Does anything stand out from working with DJ Dan? There's definitely stories, but I think also just describing how behind the scenes, like you you get two sides of Dan that I love. There's one side where it's like serious and it really feels like you're talking to like your friend or your cousin or sure, based on age, uncle, whatever, right? Like real serious that you probably don't see much of because he's just like so full of of energy and personality and like goofiness on camera. Um, but then you still have that too, where it's like, we'll be in a commercial break and all of a sudden, like he's just on one of his bits or on one of his rants, or he's, he's really friendly with the crew behind the scenes, which you always love. Like I get, I, I guess when you look back there, like me, I was like always making sure like, all right, what are we doing coming up and all that. And TV's different, right? Like it's, it's not like most of what we said wasn't, quote scripted like quick pitches is very scripted but most of the other shows like you're not looking at a teleprompter much which is cool but like you have to know what's going on like oh we're we're going right into a game for a live look right like there's just a lot going on so um, sometimes i wish i could be like more friendly during commercial breaks with the crew but then i'm just like laughing at at dan doing that so (laughs) i would say that stands out i probably need more time this actually one of my weaknesses as an interview subject is some I've been around so many people in baseball that I've worked with or interviewed or whatever. I'm like pretty bad at the stories and everyone we talk to is so good at them. Right. It's like you name someone and if they were around them in life, they have so many stories. I've spent so much time with these people. And if I sat down and you gave me 20 minutes, I could be like, Oh, here's 10 good stories. But for some reason, like just being honest, like it's something that I I've struggled with as I, I probably am doing more interviews and podcast appearances. Cause I don't really have to like get permission or any of that crap, like than I've ever done before. And I have to like, think about it more often to come up with stories. So it's easier for me to just, maybe I just have bad memory, but when I think back, like I'm better at like giving a glimpse of what this person is like behind the scenes so and and with police act he loved calling games too i just remember that like we did plenty of studio shows together but when i called a game with him it was super fun and he made it easy because like he could definitely carry it for a little bit and i was one of those guys where i'm like yo i could disappear for quite a few pitches here you're a pitcher you've got a massive eighth inning matchup in a one-run game and there's two on or whatever like go ahead dude you're you've been on that mound like Give me the perspective and we're doing TV, which that's another false hustle thing. Like don't call every pitch on TV. I'm watching. I'm good. Ooh, that's a good question. Okay. So when you're watching games at home as a fan now, is there anything that anything else from like the broadcast perspective that you kind of like, it stands out or like, maybe you're like, ah, I wish they wouldn't do that. Or I wish they would do more of this. I like mic'd up because I want to know what's going on and it makes you feel like you're there. And even more so because when you're there, you can't even, hear what the guys are saying to each other. So I always enjoyed that. I would say more interaction with people on social media, like at least just taking a look or having a producer helping you out with that, because I feel like people watching from home might have like a totally different narrative in their head of what's going on. 
And then, of course, I get it. You're working for the team, but I'm just not a, a homer person. Also, because I'm watching all the games, right? So for me to say that everything is rosy and beautiful and the future is bright and whatever else, like we know that's not always the case. And some broadcasts do just an awesome job of just laying out what's really going on. And then, you know, others are just super buttoned up, like obviously <laughs> – and it's not a knock on the person because I don't know him and he does a great job calling the game. But like if the Orioles dude, Kevin Brown, could really say what he wanted to say, the fact that he got sat down for talking over a vanilla graphic, it has nothing to do with him. But that has something to do with the president of Masson, who's the owner of or part of the ownership group of the Orioles, John Angelos. Like, come on, can't do that. And, and also, like, what are you inflicting fear in your broadcasters? They, they they weren't even saying anything significant at all. Like I could do an hour with you, Justin, just on that. So yeah, I just, I, I want more world real shit. Like I want it to be as if you're there, you have all the access, you're giving me the calls, but like, yeah, I, I dream of a broadcast where, yeah, you can mix in a curse word. You can um, just not have to follow rules as much and tell it like it is. I'll give you one more example here. Since we have Pierzynski as one of our main hosts, obviously White Sox content comes up and they, they have had quite their share of drama this year. I respect the hell out of their pre and post game show that I catch sometimes that has Chuck Garfin and Ozzie Guillen because many teams do not allow broadcasters to talk like that. Even if they don't own the broadcast network and I don't know all of, how everything goes down. I can just tell you for the most part in generality, like team and like network coverage is communicating and like in lockstep on a lot of levels where you can't just trash a situation that might need to be trashed and Hey, praise the situation that needs to be praised. That's not as hard to do, but I think people really respect that. And like Ozzy Gian will go off and then still is like working with the team. So here's the one part like where I will say, sure, you can criticize Jerry Reinsdorf. I don't know him personally, like some of the people I work with do for like, you could criticize him like, oh, he's loyal. He didn't interview anyone else for the GM job, whatever. Okay, like, yeah, we can totally go over that. But here's the beauty of it. We can say that and go over all of that. And as long as like you are being true to yourself in terms of what your opinions are, clearly he's quote, allowing that stuff to happen. Like we just, I just went over a minute ago, a story of, of an owner for a different team that doesn't even let a dude read a basic graphic. We can't let that happen. Like, come on, state run broadcasts are, are not for me. I'm, I'm looking for, for the other side of that. It doesn't have to just be a walking talk show, but I, yeah, I just want more looseness. Um, and I think some of them do that really well. And others are, you know, it just sounds like 1970s team talk. You watch the Orioles games. It's all positive all the time. Nothing's bad. Nothing's ever bad happened. The Orioles. So that's Justin, they had rules. Yeah, dude, they had rules. Apparently, if you read articles by very reputable people that are not making shit up, where like th there was a time where, or maybe it's still going on, they weren't allowed to talk about former players that played for them. Yep. I'm like, what? I mean, we have Adam Jones on our show, so he laughs about it because he works with them and for them, and he's great. That's why, actually, like Adam's a great example, though. Like Adam. Um, gets paychecks from like the Orioles and MLB and all of that, but still comes on and just speaks his mind. Like we can do all of that, all yeah. of that. People said to be a little less sensitive. And also here's a newsflash. 
for any of you young billionaires out there, like if your dad is a billionaire and own and owns a team or might own a team in the future, don't get into the business of owning a team if you're sensitive. <laughs> you are a public figure. You're asking for public tax dollars most of the time. You are representing a community. You can be under the line of criticism and take it just like anyone else. I make a bad home run call. I know that people are going to say, well, that wasn't a great home run call or people disagree with an opinion of mine or I mess up and make a mistake, which we all do. Like, cool. You know what you're getting into. Do not think that you <laughs> are so high above everyone else that you can own a team. And if anyone says shit about you, like <laughs> you're going to try and punish them. That's ridiculous. Then don't just don't own a team, like get into the waste management business or something, you know, random behind the scenes. So that, that would be a, something that I, I would like to see more of, I guess, when I'm watching games on a nightly basis. Generally, yeah, I'm entertained, but I think, you know, every, you know, you watch games a lot. Like they get into topics, they usually write down, like here's a few things from the day that you know, like injuries or, you know, a trade or, or drama, right? Or whatever, like I would like to hear a little bit more <laughs> than I usually get. Absolutely. Uh, I just have one last question. Uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Early on when I was just trying to crack the industry in any way, it was to just take on any role, which I think is part of how we started this conversation where it's like, Hey, can you do hockey hosting and this and that? It's like, I haven't before, but yeah, I mean, I don't have to go to medical school for years. Like, we can figure this shit out. So you go back, like I always use this one as a joke because I was interning for ESPN radio freshman year of college. And they were like, hey, there's a dumpling eating contest. They want us to cover it. Do you actually want to go out there and do reports like on ESPN radio? And I was like, yeah. Like, sure. I would say no to that when you're trying to get into the industry and like you're working somewhere. It's like that or drive their like stupid van around and like run errands. <laughs> Obviously, I want to go do that. <laughs> so I think just saying yes to opportunities and then almost the same advice later on in life of not saying yes to everything. It just in general. So I think that's something that I've, I've worked on balancing work-life balance and also just allocating your own time um, and efforts towards what's important. Cause you only have so much time in the day. Cause that's the one thing like we didn't get into too much, but I'm doing a ton behind the scenes. Like I am, part of this company in sales and social media and production and development and distribution deals that we've got going on right now. Right. Like there's a ton there's, I'm spending more time for sure behind the scenes. I mean, I'm watching games in the background, I'm reading articles, but I think that part of it has me going like, all right, sometimes you got to say no to things um, that you used to be like, sure, I'll do that. So just allocating time correctly. So, um, that you can breathe and get a few hours a night <laughs> to sleep. Yeah. Definitely need time to turn it off. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You just yeah. You're on it 24 hours. You're like, Hey, let me just like hang out and just do nothing. I don't yeah. I go to raves. That's my, that's been my escape <laughs> last like five years. Like I, I love go to it. raves. My, many of my good friends now are in the music industry. Um, just to found like a really strong connection with people that are my age that have gone through like a very unconventional path that are like say music agents repping, music artists and I don't, I can go hang out with them, but it's not my job. So 
go yeah. out with them for a few hours late at night, go to a concert show, whatever, like that's turned into an escape for me. Um, so I think that part's important too. I have a lot more to talk about like off the field than I used to. Like I was just, once I got to MLB, when I first um, got over there, like it was just grinded out mode. And then eventually it's like, all right, you can do this and still mix in some life. Now it's totally different because I've got more control of my schedule, putting in more mm -hmm. hours into what I do every day based on kind of having multiple roles within this company. But at the same time, I have like a more concrete schedule, which I actually value the hell out of. And and that's important too, for most people that want to get into sports, like <laughs> nights, weekends, the whole deal. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I worked most of those for a long period of time. And also guess what? You're allowed to say at some point, not for me, like you can, you can go into this. This is good on the advice front, right? You can go into this, put in your all. And then like you're 25 and you're like, you know what? I've missed every wedding and every everything. And like, I don't want to, like, and that's, that's okay. So look for, you can look for another job, like in the industry that will fit your schedule a little bit better. You can switch industries, which happens all the time. Like just cause you set something at some certain age or took a major or something like that. You don't have to do that. Like I, I will say like, I so, so value that I have like some weekend time to be able to work on my own time. And we don't have shows generally on the weekends right now. Like I just haven't had that ever in my adult life. And I value that. Like I am making up for lost time with some friends and family and just spending some time on my own. And like, that's okay to talk about that. Like, it's cool. I still work my ass off. It's fine. Dang, this has been incredible. Scott, thank you so much for your time. Kate and I both thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, foul territory. It's, I, I love listening to it on the podcast front. I love watching every day on YouTube. So uh, like I said, thank you so much for your time and I really appreciate it. Justin, Kate, great conversations with you. Appreciate it. Let me know if I can be helpful and uh, good luck with the show. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Mm -hmm.